Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now here's a special message from Johnny Lambert. How many of you have been told at one point or another to invite someone to church? Right. And how many of you lived that scenario that we just watched? Yeah, you're like in your head, all the horrible, horrible things that are going to happen when you invite someone to church. Because it's scary and intimidating to invite someone to church. Uh, I'm a very introverted person. So I take a long time to warm up to people. You got to like be around me a bit before I'll really start talking to you. And I have these deep, intense conversations I don't become like best friends with everyone at a party within five minutes of showing up. If I talk to like one person, it's been a successful event for me. And, and so I get really scared about the idea of turning a conversation awkward, turning an interaction awkward. Uh, and it's like we envision inviting someone to church as the most awkward thing that we could be doing. For me, I, I'll take it a step back just to spiritual conversations just to ask someone something about their spiritual life. You know, have you prayed lately? You know, you read your Bible? Don't want to do it. I remember a couple years back, uh, I was working at a summer camp, a Christian summer camp. I'd been there all summer, about 11 weeks, and I had the opportunity to leave a week early and go and surprise my mom for her birthday, which was going to be a really special thing. And I had that little small voice in the back of my head say to me, you should give her a Bible for her birthday. And initially, I was really excited. I'm like, I'm going to give my mom a Bible. It's going to change her life. It's going to be awesome. I went to the store. I, like, picked it out. I left it and paid extra to have them, like, carve her name into it. Uh, and then the questions started. What if she doesn't want it? What if she rejects it? What if that's, like, rejecting me? I just got terrified. I was like, I'm not even going to go pick it up. I'm just going to leave it at the store. I'm not, I'll get her something else. Buy her some flowers. I just got terrified about the thought of giving her this Bible, of taking a risk, of opening up my, myself and being vulnerable spiritually to her, uh, the, fear, the fear of that rejection. Uh, it's very similar to me, like when you're asking uh, a girl out or when you're the girl and you like want to you know, pull on his hair and let him know that you, you like him. You know, you're, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're, you're taking a risk with, with your personality, with your heart, uh, opening up to someone else. And you could get hurt. They could reject you. They could say no. Uh, we take that, that risk when we engage in a spiritual conversation, just like when we, we ask a girl out. Uh, and to follow that parallel, then inviting them to church is like inviting them to come and meet the family. Uh, I know this because uh, last weekend, I was not here. Last weekend, I had traveled to Ohio with my girlfriend, Ashley, to meet her family. Yeah, oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll address that later on. Um, so I'll, I'll share one quick story about how that went. Uh, and and it, it kind of mirrors the uh, awkwardness that we can have at church. So we landed finally. We were like an hour and a half late, thanks a lot, United. And it was early in the morning, and we get there, and she's excited. Her dad is picking us up at the airport. So we're like racing through the airport. Uh, we go out, we go past the security checkpoint, we get to baggage claim, her dad's there, and she like runs and hugs him, like, hi, daddy. Oh my gosh, so good to see you. This is Johnny. I gotta go to the bathroom, bye. 
and just vanishes. And I'm like standing there. We'd pass two bathrooms on the way. I'm like, how's it going? I work at a church. What do you do? You know, it just left me hanging. It wasn't that bad, but uh, it was, again, one of those, like, awkward, intimidating moments. Uh, but I bet new people experience those at church. Um, I think one of the reasons we fear inviting someone to meet our family is we don't want to introduce someone to how dysfunctional our family is, <laughs> right? It's true. And if you're sitting here looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, Johnny. My family's not dysfunctional. Look, you're probably the dysfunctional one. <laughs> it's just true. It's just true. We all, we all have something in our family that would say, hey, we are dysfunctional. Now, a lot of times we refer to the church, a group, a congregation of the church as a family. And I really believe that that is a true analogy. We are like a family. But that encompasses the good and the bad. So that means that as a church family, we have dysfunctions. And I guarantee you, that people outside of the church are looking at us like we have dysfunctions. Uh, we're going to take a look at what some, some people believe about uh, the dysfunctions that we have. Uh, this was uh, polls taken of people aged 18 to 29. Uh, and, and non-church attenders, 91% said that the church is anti-homosexual. And 80% of regular attenders of the church in that age bracket said that. So even people that go to church are saying this is a dysfunction we have. Uh, number two is judgmental, 87% and 51%. Uh, and hypocritical, 85% to 47%. 85% of people in this age group that do not come to church believe that we say one thing and we act differently. We don't act out how we say we're supposed to. Uh, it's just crazy to me. You can see there's a lot of them boring, 68%. I'm really trying to overcome that one today. <laughs> Thanks. Someone's like, you're doing a good job. Um, so how do we overcome these dysfunctions to uh, invite people to church? I think we have to start to approach it like we do when we're inviting uh, someone we're dating to meet our family. So how do we do that? The first thing we do in meeting the family is prepping. Ashley did a really, really great job of talking me through what I could expect. She talked me through expectations. I, I knew where we were going, what I was going to experience, what people were going to act like. I knew what the weather was going to be like. I knew exactly who and when I was going to have interactions. We don't do this at church. We say, hey, hope to see you there. But we don't say, hey, this is what you can expect. You know, you're going to walk in. The building looks like this. You park over there. You walk in this way. You sit over here. We definitely don't talk through some of our dysfunctions. We need to talk to them and be like, all right, so here are the real things that you can expect. There's this guy, Jesse, and he leads the worship. So he's going to sing. He gets up on stage. He's got these white clown shoes. And he kind of does this, yeah, yeah, thing sometimes when he sings. Don't worry about it. That's normal. Then, then there's Larry, and then there's Johnny. And Johnny's Larry's intern, but they kind of look the same. Just don't even worry about it. <laughs> just, just say Larry or Johnny to either one, and they'll respond. <laughs> then the main guy's going to get up, and he's going to talk for a little bit. His name is Ken. Now, Ken, he's going to cry. It's okay. That's <laughs> what he does. Love you. 
we've got we've to talk through some of that to, to expect it. Here is why we need to talk through some of our expectations. While I was traveling, I also got to visit a church, which is always fun to be someone that works at a church and get to visit a church because you get to like relive experiences you haven't had in forever. So we go to this church and we were, we were hot stuff because we're in our 20s and they were excited that there was, you know, a young couple walking through their doors. <laughs> so everyone came up and talked to us, introduced themselves. And most just like once they heard we were from California, it was like, whatever, see you later. <laughs> Except for one little old lady who kind of looks at me. She goes, oh, California? Aren't there a bunch of weirdos out there? And in my head, I'm like, look, no weirder than you, lady. But, <laughs> but that's a, a realistic example of what people go through when they, when they come. You know, there's so many people who walk in, they don't know, they're brand new, they don't know where to go. There's a help desk, but there's doors, I don't know where to go. My friend just bolted to the coffee, but that's all the way over there. It can be intimidating and scary. Uh, you, gotta, you gotta prep with them to meet the family. You gotta talk through expectations. The next thing we've gotta do is we've gotta do life together. We, we, we give people invitations. Hey, come check out my church, come to this event at my church. Uh, but Jesus was all about doing life with the people that were around him. He got up and he taught extravagant lessons, yeah, but most of the time he was intentionally eating meals, hanging out, spending time with, doing life with the people that were around him. Jesus would have crashed so many Memorial Day barbecues if he was here this weekend. He would have been at all of them. Uh, I believe Jesus was all about the barbecue, Here's, here's a story that I'm going to share with you. Uh, let, me, let me set the stage for this, though. So Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's just lived this, this three-year ministry where he fed thousands of people with minimal supplies, where he raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed sick people. Uh, his most recent being, he was killed, and he rose from the dead. He resurrected himself from the dead. And he gets some opportunities to appear to his disciples uh, and he chooses to do this uh, in this interaction. When they landed, they had gone out fishing. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Peter like jumps and swims to shore when they realize Jesus is on the shore. I'm sure that they were like, teach us. He's got to have some great sermon. You know, the previous interaction in the Gospel of John was with Doubting Thomas. The, hey, put your, put your fingers in my wounds. Jesus is like, got the barbecue going. The coals are hot. Peter grabs some more fish to throw onto the grill. He doesn't, he doesn't rush into a spiritual conversation. He doesn't walk up to him. What have you guys been doing? Why are you out fishing? Why aren't you out, you know, preaching the Gospel? He says, let's hang out. Let's spend some time together. Let's do life together. So to talk about barbecues, how many of you had or are having a barbecue this weekend? First service, no one was going to barbecue. What? There's like four of you. What? Do you guys know how great barbecuing is? Have you done it before? <laughs> okay, but if, if, seriously, if you are having a barbecue, throw that hand back up and leave it up there. Let's see it high and, pr- high and proud. There you go. We got a lot of barbecues. Now, now, Keep your hand raised if you know there will be someone at your barbecue who does not attend church. 
Yeah, not a lot of hands are going down at this point. There's lots of opportunity for us to do life together, tomorrow even. It's very important that we uh, do life together. Uh, Doing life together leads to the next part, and that's going with them. Going with them to meet the family. It would have been really awesome if Ashley had been like, here's a plane ticket. Guess what my dad looks like? Just look at my face. I have his nose. You'll find him. Uh, I hope you have fun, and I'll see you when you get back. I hope everything goes well. Enjoy. And, like, sent me on my way. She didn't do that. You know, we went together. She had talked me through it, and now we were going together to experience things together. Again, this is not something that we do uh, with, with inviting people to church. We do this. Here's a flyer, and my favorite I hope to see you there. I'm the king of the I hope to see you there's. I'll tell everyone, yeah, hope to see you there. Hope to see you there. You should come to church. Hope to see you there. I do it to students all the time on campus. You coming tonight? I hope to see you there. I just, I, I, I think that that's, that's a, a horrible thing that we're doing. You've got to get on the plane with them. You've got to go with them to meet the family, to come to church. It's, it's a lot harder to decline an invitation when someone says, hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be picking you up if you want to go to church with me, but I'm swinging by Starbucks first. What's your drink? I'll have it hot and ready for you in the cup holder. Service is at 9 a.m. Service is at 11. Be ready by 1045. You want a scone with that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot more inviting than here's a flyer and I hope to see you there. You know, especially when they're like, that barbecue you had last weekend was awesome. I'll go check out your church. Uh, there, there was a, a lady I met a couple weeks ago. She came to New Friends Connection, which is where we, we hang out with people. And we, we introduce ourselves as a church, as staff, and we uh, allow them to introduce themselves to us. She started to share how she found Northgate, how she started coming to Northgate. Uh, it was before Easter, and her neighbor came to her and said, hey, I've been meaning to check out this church, Northgate. I don't have a car. Are you willing to drive me? Are you willing to take me? Yeah, I'll go. And now a couple weeks later, they're both at New Friends Connection, like, we want to get plugged in. We like this church. We want to be here. All because of someone who wasn't even involved in our church at the time. It was a, hey, I've been meaning to check out Northgate. Can you take me? There's a lot of power in going with someone. Go uh, is biblical command. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then uh, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded to you. He's, he's commanding his disciples to go to the people. Go out to the people. Now, to fully understand this passage, we need to uh, break down some Greek, because I went to Bible college. (laughs) In the original Greek, the word for go, as best as I can pronounce it, is pa'o. Repeat after me, pa'o. Good. Now, we sometimes lose meaning in translation from Greek to English. So the best formatted translation of this Greek word pa'o is go. (laughs) We don't need to overcomplicate it. 
Sometimes we just love to overcomplicate things. What did Jesus mean by go? Where do we go? Who do we go to? Jesus says, go. Go and do life with people. Go with them. Bring them. Now we get to the fun part, because you all were like, ooh. <laughs> here's, what, here's, here's what meeting the family means. Meeting the family means things are getting serious. I learned this after I decided to go meet the family, because everyone I talked to, ooh, things must be getting serious. <laughs> Sounds like everything's getting serious. My dad's like, you've only been dating for like how long? It's getting pretty serious. I'm like, I didn't realize that this signified this much. But in reality, in reality it does, uh, because it, it is a, a step in a relationship moving forward. Uh, it shows a new level of seriousness in the relationship, and it also shows moving towards the next level of commitment. Now, in a relationship, if meeting the family does that, then meeting the church family's got to do a lot for someone's relationship with Christ. Uh, we live in a very spiritual generation right now. Uh, one, one research, uh, which is done by Lifeway, uh, and was published in USA Today, 72% of the people polled said that they would describe themselves as spiritual, but not religious. Spiritual, but not religious. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reword this for our conversation. Like Jesus, but we don't like the church. Spiritual, we're, we, can, we can be on board with Jesus, not religious. It's the church that we've got an issue with. You know, lots of people, Jesus' teachings, they're really cool. They're really great. I, I can buy into that. You know, the whole love your neighbor, love your enemy as yourself. That's good teaching. But the church, the church has done some stuff that I don't agree with. Look at the Crusades. Uh, it's very easy to draw this split. Hmm. Going to be spiritual, but not going to be religious. Can get on board with Jesus, but not with with the church. I'll tell you what our biggest dysfunction is. Our biggest dysfunction is allowing people to think that, that that's okay, that you can have this, this separation. What we have, the message we have, is of utmost importance. Jesus taught it like this. So service is going to end today, and you're going to rush out of here to go to lunch at In-N-Out. You want to get there before the crowds, and you got to cross the bridge to go to the new one and conquer. So you're going to get out of here, and you're going to start driving. But then you're going to see something on the newly plowed hill across the way. And you're going to stop, and you're going to go, what is that? So you're going to get out, and you're going to go over to it. Now, it's going to be more valuable than anything you've ever had in your whole life. Who knows what it really is? But you're just like, I've got to have this. So you forget about your double-double, and you go sell your house and all your possessions, and you buy that land so that you always have that possession. That's how we taught about the importance of the message of the gospel, the good news that he offers. It's the most valuable piece of information we could ever, ever possibly have. And allowing people to think, I can be spiritual but not be religious, is robbing them of that. Jesus is all about the church, it's paradoxical. If you haven't written down any notes so far, I want you to pull out your paper and a pen and write paradoxical, because that's my big word that I'm going to use to make me sound smart this morning. <laughs> paradoxical means that you make a statement that's true, but most people kind of raise their eyebrow at it like, mm, I don't think so. I don't, is that, mm, that doesn't sound right. 
Because it is paradoxical to make that statement. Jesus is all about the church. People would be like, no. Jesus is not all about the church. Jesus doesn't like the crusades just like I don't like the crusades. Jesus thinks the church is hypocritical too. People make these statements. Uh, I don't think they line up. I'm going to break down. This was my search to uncover the truth about, about Jesus and the church. Uh, the first thing I looked at was Jesus uh, is, is, is the heart of the gospel. It's all about Jesus. Uh, John 14, 6. Jesus, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right. So far, I can say it's all about Jesus. I can reconcile this. It's all about Jesus. I'm the way. But truth number two is that Jesus is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. All right, it might be all about Jesus, but Jesus is the head of the family. Jesus is Papa. They go hand in hand together. Uh, and why does Jesus care about the church? Because Jesus has a plan for it. He tells, he tells the disciple Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter. He gives him this name. Peter means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's his declaration to Peter. You're going to build the church. Now, why would the guy that's at the heart of the gospel and the head of the church tell someone, you're going to build my church if he was spiritual but not religious? Jesus uh, is all about the church. The reason is because he wanted to use it. The church has the power in the midst of dysfunction. Uh, Jesus knew that the church would be a place for restoration for broken families for freedom for people bound to addictions, hope for those who couldn't find it any longer, a place of truth for those who'd been fed lies, and a family for everyone who'd lost their own. He had a purpose for the church. And you might say, yeah, that's great, but back then they didn't have the dysfunctions that we had. (laughs) That's where I beg to differ. (laughs) I believe dysfunction has always plagued the church. And here's why. In Acts chapter 2, we find the disciples at Pentecost, a Jewish festival. They've gone there to do ministry. They get up, and the Holy Spirit comes on them. And they start speaking in tongues. They start speaking in different languages. And what do the people do? People look at them and they go, those guys are crazy. They're drunk right now. They've been drinking. That's the only way they could explain what was happening. They just looked foolish. And Peter gets up. The rock. And he starts to deliver what is very arguably the first sermon in church history. Uh, This is how he starts it. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Yeah, you can laugh. I read the Bible sometimes and I think that's pretty funny. Because to me that's kind of funny. Now, admittedly, I slept through a few classes, but I was never taught to open a sermon like that. Don't worry. That's how Jesse dances every week. He's not on drugs. But let's, let's look. This is how this story ends. It's awesome. And with many other words, he warned them, 
And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their name that day. A message that started with, we're not drunk, ends with 3,000 people accepting the message and being baptized. Johnny, God can't work through the church nowadays. We have too many dysfunctions. Everyone thinks that we're hypocritical. Well, go back 2,000 years ago. Everyone thought they were drunk. 3,000 people got saved. What if we opened up and we allowed God to work through our dysfunctions? You know, what would the story say? All of Benicia was saved. All of East Bay was saved. You know, there's, there's, there's a truth to God's purpose. Uh, God has a plan in which he wants to see all people saved. Uh, but the key to that plan involves using dysfunctional people, referring to all of us, dysfunctional people to bring others to a dysfunctional church where a dysfunctional speaker can allow the power of God to work in people's lives, to teach them his truth. Uh, It's time that we start bringing people to meet our family. I have two challenges for you as we close out this morning. The first challenge is for you to show up. I guess that's funny. But seriously, show up. You know, you can't invite people and bring people to something that you're not at. And it's summertime, and it's easy to make excuses. It's a nice day. We're going to the beach. Discovery Kingdom's open again. Let's go. It's Memorial Day. I just want to sleep in. It's easy to make excuses. I'm saying for the next 12 weeks, let nothing stand in your way from being a part of this family. Rain, shine, beach, mountains, whatever. Be like, no, Sunday, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with my family. Challenge number two uh, is find someone that you can do life with. I guarantee you all have a neighbor or a coworker, a friend, a sibling who doesn't know this good news that, that needs to be brought to meet our family. So start finding ways to go and do life with them. I'm not asking you to go and share you know, the Romans Road salvation message with them. I'm asking you to, when you see your coworker having coffee on coffee break, say, hey, can I sit down and join you? I'm asking you to call your sibling back up when you haven't talked in who knows how long. Just say, I just want you to know I'm here for you and I love you. When you see your neighbors walking their dog, hey, how are you guys doing? What are you doing Friday? Game night? Start to do life together. Will you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.